Welcome to the Truth Must Be Told podcast. Thank you for joining us today as we share the good news of Jesus in this uncertain world. If you have any questions, suggestions, or comments, please reach out to me at thetruthmustbetold93 at gmail.com. Now, if you've missed any episodes, you can go to anchor.fm and look for me, Sal Passos. While you're there, hit the support button and help this podcast to continue. For those of you on YouTube, don't forget to hit the thumbs up button and subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss any of these exciting shows. Thank you once again for your support, and I'll be seeing you soon on The Truth Must Be Told. Hello, we'll be talking about the Passover and what it means today on The Truth Must Be Told. So stand by. He's just ignorant. He doesn't know any better than to tell the truth. It's the truth. I just want to report the truth. It'll be a nice change of pace. Okay? When in doubt, tell the truth. Edward, I tried to tell the truth, and it kicked me off the air. You can't handle the truth! And now, speaking the truth, even though it hurts, here's the host of The Truth Must Be Told, Sal Passos. Hello, hello, and welcome to today's program of The Truth Must Be Told. It is Tuesday night, and I am so apologetic for getting this out as late. It's just been a... Really crazy day here in the Passos household, but of course, every day is crazy around here. Uh, Lori has often talked about us having a show that says, you know, we watch all these uh, shows on TV and they show people's lives and whatnot, and we should put out a show that said, our lives suck. (laughs) You know, I think that's something we should consider. (laughs) But anyway, before we get into this uh, show, we have a couple of special things to announce today, and if I can get my mouse over here, here we go. First of all, oh, happy anniversary, happy anniversary, happy anniversary, happy anniversary. Yes, a happy anniversary to my lovely daughter, Nicole, and her handsome husband, Jason. Uh, eight years ago, they got married. Uh, today, eight years ago. So happy anniversary, honey. I love you very, very much, and I hope to talk to you soon. I hope you had a special day today because you are a very special lady, and I hope to talk to you very soon. Love you, babe. Love you very, very much. Um, also, no, not happy birthday. No, not that. Please, no, not happy birthday. Yes, happy birthday to Lucetta DiRamo. Now, if you guys haven't, uh, if you remember back, go back and listen to my uh, episode on an interview with Teddy DiRamo. Uh, Teddy has a very wonderful testimony of how Christ saved him, and uh, you uh, will be blessed by listening to that. Amazing, amazing, amazing testimony. The the work of God in that man's life, absolutely phenomenal. Uh, Let's see what else is up going on here. Let's see. Uh, We have, uh, that's it. (laughs) That's it, I guess. Uh, Other than that, thank you guys for your prayers. We, We really appreciate your prayer support. Uh, We still need uh, to get our grass cut. We need to pray that uh, we get somebody to handle that for us. I don't have a tractor. So anybody in my listening area here in the uh, realms of Sweet Home, Alabama, uh, who is close enough and would like to come over and volunteer to cut my grass, I would appreciate it. Um, We're uh, we're expecting a blessing, uh, but it's not going to be here for a while. So uh, we just have to uh, trust the Lord, and uh, we need to get that done. As there's a lot of a lot of things to go with it. All right. That being said, <clears throat> welcome again to today's program. I'm glad you're all here and tuning in. Uh, it's so wonderful that you um, 
that you chose to uh, join me here on The Truth Must Be Told. And today we're going to be discussing the Passover. Uh, that's coming up this week, and I really would like to, you know, get into that a little bit um, and why it's so important to Christians to uh, to remember that day. Um, it, you know, it does have a lot of significance um, for for uh, you know for uh, for a Christian, and uh, well, we're gonna we're gonna discuss it, and it it, it has it, and it's it's more than the Jew, it's more than just remembering the Jews celebrating their release from freedom. All right, so uh, in the Old Testament, the New Testament is hidden. You have often heard me said, in the old, the new is concealed. And in the new, the old is revealed. All right, for example, Melchizedek. All right, he appears in Genesis seemingly out of nowhere. Now let me just uh, turn to that real quick. Because this, uh, I just want to share this with you before we get into the uh, Passover study. In Genesis chapter 14, uh, Abram is met by Melchizedek. All right, uh, after he returned from uh, defeating uh, a king, and the king's, uh, the, king, the king's allied with him, and uh, the king of Sodom came out to meet him in the valley of Shaveh, uh, that is the king's valley. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High, and he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and, be, and blessed be God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abram gave him a tenth of his, tenth of everything, <laughs> tenth of everything. All right. And uh, we wondered, well, who is Melchizedek? Who is this guy? He's mentioned several times uh, in the uh, in the scriptures and Psalms, and uh, and uh, we we we're wondering, well, who is this? Who is this Melchizedek character? And he has been mentioned in. Uh, let's see here. Psalm 110, verse 4. Uh, so he's been mentioned a couple of times uh, through, uh, through scriptures, I believe in Numbers also. Uh, but here is this. <clears throat> the, um, now, Melchizedek was the king of Salem and priest of God. Now, this isn't from Hebrews chapter 7. And the writer of the book of Hebrews gives us a little clue as to who he is. Uh, all right, so he was a priest of the Most High God. He met Abram, <laughs> returning from the defeat of the kings, and blessed him. And Abram gave him a tenth of everything. First, his name means king of righteousness, then also king of Salem, which means king of peace. Without father or mother, without genealogy, without beginning of days or end of life, like the Son of God, he remains a priest forever. So here's this Melchizedek. And the writer of the book of Hebrews says, oh, he's, he didn't have any genealogy. He didn't have a father or mother. He just showed up. Um, and when you think about this, uh, he, he goes on to explain in, uh, in chapter 7 how uh, Melchizedek was, uh, it was greater than any priest that, uh, that was around at the time. Excuse me. I'm hearing a puff here. i got to get this adjusted. Um he was greater than any priest that was around at the time, and how Christ was greater than Melchizedek, even though Melchizedek uh, was worthy of receiving the tithes, and he goes on this whole thing about tithing to the Levites, and he goes on to this whole thing, but he says Christ was greater than Melchizedek. And that's the whole thing. I love Hebrews. If, if you get a chance, read the book of Hebrews, 
because Hebrews has a lot of things. God is great. Uh, Jesus was greater than the angels. He was greater than Melchizedek. He was greater than this. He was greater than that. But um, Jesus now takes on the 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 form or, or the duty of Melchizedek uh, is declared. Uh, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. In other words. He had no beginning, no ending. Uh, and he, he goes on that uh, Christ is then the high priest of the new covenant, uh, which was shed in his blood. He goes on. And so this was, this was very, very important. Now, when you read through the Old Testament, and I know a lot of it's very, very difficult, and, and Lori is going through numbers right now, and I admit through numbers was a little tough for me to get through, but I'm finding more and more things coming out of numbers that I have didn't notice before. And isn't that great? I mean, this is why the, the, the Word of God about itself says that it's living. This is a living Word, okay? And I, I take that to mean that it's not only prevalent for today and for what you're listening to or what you're doing, but it is also, <clears throat> it's also when the more you read it, you go, wow, I never noticed that before. Ding, ding, ding. God enlightens things to you so that you can understand certain things in scripture and all of a sudden like wow that's new where did that come from i never noticed that before so um you know those kind of things are 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 uh, are in there and that's what happens when you stick into the word of god now there are many types and shadows they call types and shadows in the old testament remember in the old the new is concealed so what is the new testament well the new covenant or the new testament has to deal with the coming of christ all right and you're going to find that Jesus physically appeared many, many times in the Old Testament. Did you know that? Did you know that Jesus appeared often in the Old Testament? It, it's called the Theophany or Christophany, some people call it, uh, appearance of Christ in, the, uh, uh, in his uh, pre-incarnate appearance of, of, of himself before he was born in Bethlehem. And uh, there's, there's a lot of them. There's, there's many, many of them. Um, uh, uh, Melchizedek was just one of them. Uh, but we see Jesus in uh, chapter 3 uh, walking with them in the Garden of Eden. I'm pretty sure that was Jesus walking around with them. Uh, Abraham, well, it could have been God himself, because at that point uh, man didn't sin, but, you know, so he could have been in the presence of God, who knows. Uh, but... Uh, he met with Abram as Melchizedek. He met with Abraham, uh, later who changed his name, uh, just before he destroyed Lot. Jesus appeared with him, sat down and ate with him, and, and, and uh, Abraham pleaded with him to save Lot and his family. Um, I mean, there's just so many. Jacob wrestled with Jesus the night before he met with Esau. All right, so that one's in there. Uh, let's see. I'm looking through a list here because there's so many of them. Uh, Moses and the burning bush. More, li more likely, the burning bush was 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 Christ in some manifestation. Uh, I don't know if I agree with that or not, but that's what this one says. Uh, okay, Jesus appeared to Moses many times. He appeared to Balaam. I was told not to curse Israel, uh, but I don't know. See, I don't know. This guy's taking it out. Of course, I don't know. Let me see here. Let me read this before I. Uh, over the mouth of sea. Let's see. There, so there are many here. If you start, oh, that's right. He appeared to Gideon. Um, so there's a lot of things in here 
when you look, you will see uh, Jesus' pre-incarnate appearances in the Old Testament. Now, um, but what is this, you know, and, and also, also, there are many, like I said, types and shadows of things <clears throat> for their... The, the, most of the Jewish celebrations, I would dare to say all of the Jewish celebrations, reflect some kind of thing with Christ. Uh, and, uh, you know, that uh, there, there's just so many things in there in the Old Testament that, that point ahead and look to Jesus. And if the Jews were just to open their eyes, they would see it. But what does this have to do with the Passover? Well, I'll tell you. And it's important to remember this because the deep meaning of the Passover is assigned to the Jews. Now, Jesus explained it to, explained it to his disciples, and I'm going to go into that a little later. But um, there are different parts to the Jewish ceremony. So you have the uh, Kaddish, which is the—now, I'm hoping I'm saying these Jewish words, these uh, Hebrew words right. Uh, any of you speak Hebrew, please uh, contact me at the truth must be told. 93 at gmail.com, and let me know. You mispronounced that. Okay, great. So I would just really appreciate it. Uh, so you have the, the Kaddish, which is the sanctification of the day. It's a cup of wine or grape juice. The first of flour is filled. and Though, excuse the four is filled. Excuse me, I can't read. And the prayer is said. Uh, you have the Urchats, 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 uh, hand washing with no blessing. A ritual hand washing is done with warm water. This takes place during the Seder meal. Okay, I'm talking about what happens at the Passover meal. All right, but no blessing is done yet. Then the karapas is the eating of the green vegetables. The blessing is is said, see, bori pray hahadama, and the vegetables are consumed after being dipped in salt water. The salt water evokes bitter tears. And if any of you have ever sat in on a Seder meal, uh, which I have, uh, I've been blessed to uh, sit in, on a Seder meal uh, one time, and yes, you dip the uh, you dip the vegetables in that in the in the salt, and the salt water, and then you eat that. It does. It makes you it makes you tear up. Uh, yachats is the breaking of the matzah. The matzah. If you don't know what that is, I mean, everybody I know knows what a matzah is, but you may not. A matzah is a square cracker about that big. It's made without yeast. It's unleavened bread. By the way. It is great survival food because it doesn't go bad. You can keep matzah for a long, long time. Moses was the original, had the, <laughs> this unleavened bread was the original, um, was the original survival food, okay? Uh, it's made in the tra tradition of the bread from Exodus. Three pieces, three pieces of matzah are made and the middle piece is broken in half and consumed, all right? Uh, and but after it's hidden, I'll tell you that later. Uh, the Magid telling the story of the Exodus. So a second cup of wine or grape juice is poured, and the story of the Exodus is told. Now, if you don't know the story of Exodus? Let me quickly give it to you. Uh, the tenth plague of of Egypt. God had sent Moses into Egypt to say, "Let my people go," and he said, "You know, forget you, Moses." And Moses did these tricks. Uh, not these tricks. He did these signs. The his the magicians of Egypt did tricks to simulate those signs. But I believe after the third one, the fourth through the tenth, they couldn't duplicate, and they told Pharaoh, "You're fighting God. Um, their God is powerful. You're not going to be able to do it." So that's it in a nutshell. But the tenth the tenth one, he warned Mo he warned uh, Moses warned 
Pharaoh, that if you don't let the people, my people go, the angel of death will come through Egypt and your firstborn are going to all die. And he didn't believe them. He didn't believe them. And he, and he sent them on his way. So Moses told, was told by God to tell the people that they are to take a lamb, they're to slaughter it, okay? And to take the blood of that lamb and put it on the doorposts, one on the top, one on the right, one on the left side, and thereby, um, he said, when the angel of death comes by and he sees the blood, he will pass over you. Okay, that's here where they have the term, that's where we term to get Passover. So they tell this story and how they have to eat it standing up with their cloaks, cloaks tucked in, their belts tucked into their clothes and ready to go because it is, they have to eat it in haste. All right. Now, um, Raksha, Rakshaza, hand washing with a blessing. The ritual hand washing is repeated, accompanied by a prayer. It serves as time to meditate and on purification and sanctification. The motzi, blessing before eating the matzah. Two blessings are said over the matzah. Uh, the second explicitly mentions the mitzvah, a Jewish commandment to eat the matzah, mat, matzah from the Exodus narrative. Uh, then you have the uh, then you have the eating of the matzah. Uh, the maror is the eating of bitter herbs. During the first Passover meal, God calls the Israelites to eat bitter herbs. This tradition continues at the Seder meal. A blessing is said, and they are consumed. Korech, it's a Hillel sandwich. The bitter herbs are placed between the matzah and are eaten as a sandwich. This sandwich comes from, the Jewish, comes from a Jewish leader from history called Hillel, who combined the bread and the herbs and the sacrificed lamb. Uh, then they have the... Uh, Shulchan Orek, it's the eating of the meal. Now, a much larger meal is served. Traditionally, it involves hard-boiled eggs, gefilte fish, and, see, I knew that one, gefilte fish, and other traditional meals. The specific foods can vary depending on the country and the culture. Then you have the tzifon, it's the eating of the afkomen. The afkomen is a piece of matzah hidden earlier during the meal. Once it is found, usually an activity reserved for the small children in the family, it is consumed. After this step, no more food is to be consumed. The barak, the barak, which is blessing over the eating, blessing over the eating, a blessing known as the barakat hamazan, is said. It is the grace after meals. The third cup of wine is consumed, and the cup is poured for the prophet Elijah. If you don't know, they always leave an empty chair at the seder meal. For Elijah. In fact, I believe the, the Jewish children are sent to the door to see if Elijah is at the door waiting to come in. It's really some interesting things. Then you have the Hallel, which is the song of praise. This part is a recitation of the songs of praise. These songs include Psalm 113, 114, 115, 116, 117, 118, and 136. After the songs of praise, a portion of the Jewish prayer called the Nishmat. Then you have the um, the conclusion, which is the the nirtsa, it is the conclusion and celebration. Now the meal concludes with the exclamation. And I don't. Know, I'm going to try this here. Lashana haba Next year in Jerusalem. Depending on the families, some activities may continue. All right. Now. Um, Tell you what, we're going to take a break here, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the significance 
of why this is so important to Christians. We'll be right back after these messages on The Truth Must Be Told. Welcome back. Um, now, the Seder meal is the traditional dinner that Jews partake as part of the Passover. The annual Passover com- com- uh, commemoration is celebrated nearly the, by nearly the entirely entire Jewish community. All right, and uh, every year, Jewish homes, Jewish people, religious and non-religious, celebrate the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob by gathering and experiencing the Passover Seder. The Seder uh, means order. Uh, The Passover meal has a specific order in which the food is eaten. I just explained that to you. Prayers are recited and songs are sung. Each item on the Passover plate has a specific historical meaning relating to the exodus of the Jews from Egypt and their freedom from slavery. All right. But 1 Corinthians 5-7 identifies Jesus Christ as our Passover. Thus, the Seder carries New Testament meaning related to Jesus the Messiah. Now, I want to talk to you about the symbols that are represented in the Seder meal, all right? There are very strong symbols of Christ within that meal, all right? One is the shank bone of a lamb, which reminds the participants of the feast of God's salvation. Now, during the, I told you that during the 10th, 10th plague, God instructed them to daub their doorposts and their lintels, you know, Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, it was kind of in the sign of the cross, wasn't it? Top, left, right, yeah. Okay, uh, this is a symbol of salvation, but it's also a picture of who Jesus, who, according to John 1, 29, is the Lamb of God. Remember, John the Baptist said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. All right, His sacrifice preserves the lives of all who believe. So that Lamb, first of all, One of the things that the instructions for the Passover, original Passover, specified that the lamb's bones could not be broken. It was another foreshadowing of Christ's death. Now, if you remember uh, when he was crucified, uh, they didn't break his bones to— I I discussed this the other day when we talked about uh, Easter, and we said how how Christ— they came over to, to break the bones of the thieves because to let them die. But when they came to Christ, they, they didn't break his bones. They didn't have to. And this fulfills a prophecy that says not a bone on him will be broken. So this is another prophecy. Even at his death, he fulfilled the prophecy. All right. Now, this one I always thought was so fascinating. And I need you guys to pay very close attention to this. All right? It's very important. Another symbol on that Seder plate is the matzah, the unleavened bread. You know, so they weren't, they didn't have time to let the bread arise. From then on, Passover was followed by a week-long feast of unleavened bread. And these are some fascinating things about the, about the matzah that show ex, uh, an example of Christ. Now, the matzahs are placed in a bag, uh, it's called the ekad, I believe, which means one in Hebrew. But in this bag has three chambers. One piece of matzah is placed into each chamber of the bag. And then the matzah 
placed in the first cha- chamber, the top one, is never used, and it's never seen. The second bag is broken in half at the beginning of the Seder. Half of that broken matzah is placed back into the bag, and the other half is placed in a linen cloth. And the third matzah is in there in the bag is used to eat the emblems or the elements from the Seder place. Now, what is so significant about that? I, I, you got to understand, when they broke that matzah in half and it was placed in a linen cloth, it was taken and it was hidden. Okay? It was hidden. And then later in the meal, it comes back and is reunited with that second piece. Now, is this not a symbol of Christ being broken and buried and resurrected? Ah, yes, very, very significant. And I think that is so cool. And I found that they, they, they have the children go and look for it, which is, you know, I, I just think that's great. You know, Jesus said, you got to come to me like a little child. And yet here we are, a little child coming to Christ and finding the broken piece and bringing it back to the head of the table. And it's reunited again. I think that is just so significant. To, isn't that cool? I mean, I, I tell you, <clears throat> it's really, really cool. Now, um, and that word, uh, ikad, in, uh, was also used in Genesis 2.24, the man and his wife will become one, or ikad, one flesh. The word also appears in Numbers, when the spies return from Canaan with an ikad cluster of grapes. So that's, that's what that word means. So, uh, But they cannot explain why they break this in half or why they place the half in the middle back, because they don't understand. They don't understand that it's, it's, it's Christ. Um, the meaning of the Seder's ritual, then, of the matzahs is clearly understood from the New Testament. The Trinity is pictured there, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. The first matzah remains in the back throughout the Seder and re- represents the Father, whom no man sees. The third represents the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. And the second... The broken one represents the Son. The reason the middle matzah is broken is to picture the broken body of Christ. The half put back represents Jesus' divine nature, and the other half wrapped in a little linen cloth and separated represents his humanity and his burial. Okay, I think that is so cool. Um, now, uh, now let's see what else here. Uh, boy, there's just so much. There's so much. Um all right, so we, 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 the other part is the, um, the um, I'm, just, I'm just going through because there's so much here. I, 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 can't, I don't have time to cover all of this. We'd have to do this in like two shows, maybe three, because there's so much significant in here. Okay, there are also four cups of wine used at various points throughout the Seder. Each of these glasses of wine has a name. There's, so there's a cup of sanctification, a cup of judgment, a cup of redemption, and a cup of praise. All right. So um, so later in the Seder meal, now here's what I want you guys to pay attention to. You know, when Jesus was sitting down at the Seder meal with his disciples, and he said, I desire to have this Passover meal with you. And they gathered together in a room, and they started having their, uh, their Seder meal. Now, Jesus took the matzah, and when he was, when they were performing the Seder meal, can you see Jesus at the head of the table running the Seder meal? And he takes the middle matzah out and breaks it, okay? 
And he tells his disciples, this is my body, which was broken, which is broken for you. Wait a second. He wasn't talking about his physical body. He was talking about the bread representing his being broken. It was a symbol. His, the bread didn't magically transform into his flesh. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. He broke the bread and he said, this is my body. He's explaining, he's explaining what the Seder meal means. This is my body, which was broken for you. And he, you know, he does what he has to do, going to the meal. And then when he comes to the cup of, to the cup of wine, all right, uh, he took the third cup. That would have been the third cup, the cup of redemption, okay, and used as a symbol of the new covenant in his blood. He takes up the cup and he says, this cup of redemption, which the Jew would know, who sitting through a Seder meal would know this, this cup is the cup of my blood given for your salvation, all right? So, uh, you know, come on. I mean, this is, this is, this is, this is just, um, and likewise, he took the cup. This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. He didn't say, this is my blood, my literal blood. I'm not turning this into my literal blood. It was a symbol. Jesus fulfilled the Passover symbolism and infused the whole feast with a new meaning. He was telling them, look, each one of these things represents my salvation, my break, my body being broken for you, my blood being shed for you. It does not mean we are literally eating the body and blood of Christ. It's not. And you, my Catholic friends, I love you very much, but your transubstantiation doctrine or dogma, because it's not from God, it's not doctrine, your dogma is wrong. You, you, you know, you, you, it's a Babylonian, a Babylonian thing of consuming the flesh of a god. And this magical incantation called the transubstantiation is supposed to turn your little wafer and the cup that the priests drink, I don't even think they allow you to drink it, into the actual, the actual, literal body and blood of Christ. Thereby, Christ is being sacrificed many, many times during the week in churches all over the world, and it's not necessary. He died once for all, shed his blood to get it done. He didn't. If you have to think you have Christ and these things, it's not. It's, 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 it, it, the, Christ, they took that out of context. When Christ said, this is my body which was broken for you, this is my blood of the new covenant shed for you, he wasn't talking about his literal body at that meal. All right? That is a symbolism. It's a symbolism. It means that this is, look, this is what the Seder meal means. And he must have went out of there and go, oh, they didn't fully get it yet because Christ hadn't been crucified. But do you understand what I'm talking about? There is so much significance in the Seder meal. And in fact, all of the, all of their, uh, all of their, their, their festivals and, 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 and celebrations have something to do with Christ. 
There was one where they, uh, the, 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 the tabernacles, I think the Feast of Tabernacles, and they had to live in a, in a tent or something on their rooftop. And that has to do with, with, uh, with them dwelling within Christ. And, and then there's another one where he would pour out water. They would pour out water. There's another one where they poured water out. And I, I can't remember that. Please forgive me for not remembering. There's just so much. But that's when Jesus said, I'm the water of life. All right, so, you know, these are the things which are just totally, totally amazes me, and they're there. So this Passover meal, remember, this Passover coming and Easter coming, and I, I, I trust you guys had a good Palm Sunday, and that uh, this Sunday coming is Easter, and I want you to enjoy yourselves with your families and, and have a great time. We'll discuss a little bit more with that on Saturday. I may have a repeat show on Saturday. I don't know. I'm just giving you fair warning. Check when check the look to see. There may be a repeat show because that Saturday night I may want to spend with Lori. But your Sunday Easter celebration, remember that Christ died for you. He died on Friday, Good Friday, which would have been the Passover day. All right, and... He, was, he celebrated the Passover meal that night, was crucified the next morning, rose on the third day. And you are the recipients of that resurrection. Without that resurrection, that's what makes Easter so significant. Without Christ rising from the dead, your salvation means nothing. Just remember that if, when you read the Old Testament, look for those little hidden things of Christ in there. He's in there. He's in there. And uh, he could be in you right now, too. You know? Oh, yeah. He could be in you right now. You could just ask him to come into your life and to be your personal Savior. You can say, Lord, I give up. I need you in my life. I can't do this alone. There's no way that I can do this, Lord, without you. I know I'm a sinner. You know, Christ, the, the, Christ, the Bible tells us that, that there is none righteous, no, not one. For this reason is why Christ came into the world. He was God in the flesh. The book of John tells us, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And He was with God in the beginning. And without Him, nothing could have been made that has been made. Christ is the creator, second person of the Trinity, the creator, the, 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 the one who brought us salvation. He's our high priest who, who makes intercession for us. It's not Mary. It's not Mary. Mary doesn't make intercession for us. And I wonder how many times she cries out in heaven, why are they praying to me? It's not Mary that brings you to Christ. You can go to Christ directly. You don't need to go to a priest to confess your sins. You can confess your sins to Jesus directly. Say, Lord, I'm sorry for my sins. I know I've sinned against you. Please forgive me. Lord, I want to follow you now the rest of my life. Repent, turn around, change direction seek after God. If you need any help, you can email me at the truth must be told 93 at gmail.com. That's the truth must be told 93 at gmail.com. 
For those of you on Facebook, you can private message me. But don't let it go. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, prayer requests, send it all to the truth must be told 93 at gmail.com and I will get back to you. I want you guys to know I love you very much. Uh, I, I just want you to understand that God loves you more than anything. And so until next time, I wish you the best. Been probably praying for you. Pray for me too. God bless you. And I thank you. We'll see you next time on The Truth Must Be Told. Have a blessed Holy Week.